0: Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the Resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. We are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you, and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. May the service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
1: The book of Matthew 5 45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue in these last days before the taking of the chosen by God bride from this world this commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times and generations and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students therefore people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to and so Jesus called us to perfection that his heavenly father possesses and that he possessed himself and this perfection as we can see is the ability to command his son So that it shine upon the righteous and unrighteous, as God shines with His Son upon the righteous and unrighteous, and command His reign, so that they pour out upon the just and unjust, just as God pours them out upon the just and the unjust. Otherwise how can you reflect or imitate God to be able to be perfect? His perfection is that our hatred toward carriers of lawlessness be equal to our love toward the carriers of righteousness, that is what it's referring to, that is where his perfection lies. Not just hate some kind of abstract evil, but to hate the carriers of this evil and love the carriers of good who are righteous. And so as it relates to fulfilling this commanding order to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart as God is vigilant over his spoken word within the temple of our body because his word always is addressed to someone it's not just poured out at random prophet Isaiah said just as the rain and and snow come down the purpose of the rain and the snow is to water the lands, the earth, the word of God is direct, directed, addressed to his children and it's for their body, for their heart. And God is vigilant in the temple of our body over that word that we have put into our heart upon the condition that we also will be vigilant over that word that is concealed in our heart. As soon as we stop being vigilant over the word that is in our heart, God will stop being vigilant over His word. Because this is a specific covenant. We are vigilant and we allow then God also to be vigilant in the temple of our body. We stop to study the following question What specific goals. Does the righteousness of God pursue? that we are collaborating with within our heart this righteousness of God that God is vigilant over and that we are called to collaborate with with our faith our faith with God's faith which is the truth in the heart and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant where we in the death of our Lord Jesus uh, died by the law for the law so that in the new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of Christ we can receive justification so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected so we can obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of Christ so that we can provide God with the proper foundation or basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like how he gave it to Abraham or to his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. It's not just talking about an abstract peace, it's talking about the covenant of peace. God has made with Abraham a covenant of peace, and this covenant of peace was the promise that contained the bond of all of the rest of his promises. And in this promise, in this covenant of peace that was made between God and us, God is always the helper, and we are the responsible party. Only when we fulfill our role within the covenant of peace we allow God then the ability to fulfill his role in the covenant of peace if he told Abraham that he proclaimed the not existent as existent and Abraham believed this and did it although he was aging every day he Sarah was aging every day but it's interesting the scriptures say that his hope and his trust became stronger and grew it's interesting while everything f- physical is dying and it seems the promise is impossible but he's supposed to receive this promise on earth within his body and how could he receive it when he no longer was able to produce when he reproduced when he would he his uh he was not able to have intimate relationship with his with his wife and he was not able to fulfill the uh role Uh, that a man typically would and she being barren uh, and she was already at an old age where her usuals had ended as well and so they believed they believed in the word so much and they proclaimed the not existent as existent that God within the span of a year had fulfilled had accomplished what we are all waiting for he believed that his body needed to be renewed so that he can receive isaac and his body did renew god came to him and told him in a year you will have a a son and sarah and him after this renewed their bodies were renewed it was something surprising and this promise that belongs to the door of our hope because before god takes his church he within here on Earth he needs to give us the ability to bear our Isaac, who will be our joy. and who is this Isaac? This is the name Methuselah who drives away death within our body. We need to bear fruits of the destruction of death so that it could swallow be swallowed up. God will not swallow death without us. He will swallow this death using the confessions of our mouth. and so when we continuously, are thinking about this promise that needs to be opened up at the door of our hope before the rapture occurs we meditate about this, we proclaim this, we think about it, meditate about it, proclaim it, we may not see the results yet but they're there we may not see the results because in our pocket we don't feel the money that may be upon our account it is upon our account and we believe in this and we know this For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, that is, the spoken by his messenger's word. And so, faith is from hearing the word, and again and again, let us not allow our emotions to take control over our renewed mind. Our emotions don't have the abilities to sense, to examine, and to check whether God is with us or not, if our covenant with God is broken or not. Our emotions are not able to determine this, but they are able, uh, being controlled by our renewed mind, to go where we want to lead them. And so when we proclaim the information that we receive, we please God and God accounts this to, to us as righteousness. When we count ourselves dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the non-existent stronghold of incorruption in our body as existing now. And when we do this, then this can only happen through Methuselah. We remove from the throne our old man and upon this throne the truth of the word of God is seated and then the Holy Spirit comes and can sit on the throne of this truth and we then become capable of being led by the Holy Spirit hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in the words of the messengers of God who which then echoes in our heart as if it was already there and we already knew this and so by what signs do we examine ourselves that the peace of god rules within our heart which identifies us as the sons of god and as the most holy of the lord we know that to examine our heart as to whether the peace of god is governing in it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker which characterizes us as the sons of god as it is written blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of god matthew five nine here it's talking about the state of peace within the heart of man a person cannot be a peacemaker if he does not have the state of peace in his heart if the covenant of peace has not began to rule within his heart if there's no peace between God between man and God if he if a man deceives himself saying that there is peace when there is no peace because he only is trying to determine this uh, by looking at his emotions or feelings and so the devil convinces the people uh, they go to church and they want to feel something emotional they want to sense it and that's how they that they're receiving this confirmation, they feel this in their emotions, their feelings, and they uh, are then confident God is with them. But only when this life is over, when the spirit of man leaves his body, then he finds out that actually they were not within the church and that the peace of God wasn't with them and that they are going to hell, just as atheists, who were confident that when they die uh, their existence ends and that they will no longer exist at all but it turns out this atheist coming out of his own body sees that there is a heaven and hell he he met with Christ, he meets with Christ, he sees Christ who condemns him because of what he's stated and he's condemned, condemned to hell because of the things he said and the demons then take him and he together with demons go where they will go and so if you can imagine the terrible situation for these atheists or the catholics and the those of the orthodox faith who worship idols and not god and it turns out that when they die they go to hell they they thought they worshiped god and that they were not idols but god's uh sacred men Catholics believe that the Mother of God is so holy that uh, she is able to pass on, she's the middle man or the median, the middle man, middle uh, or uh, the intercessor between you and God and so there's one God and one uh, intercessor and that is Jesus Christ but for the Orthodox uh, those of the Orthodox faith, they have the Holy Nicholas and other holy individuals that they uh, believe in, and they cry at the at the icons and even the icons themselves. They have incidences that they're crying and they see this miracle. The devil can make this happen, and they receive healing at this time. And this healing isn't from God. The devil also can heal illnesses that are not. A miracle miraculous things he's not able to do if a person doesn't have a hand or he doesn't have a, a, a kidney or doesn't have a leg or doesn't have eyes he can't make a blind person the, give him the ability to see or give him a hand but he can heal a person from cancer why because uh, these, this cancer is, pr- is uh, something promoted given by uh, demonically And so he's able to control that. And so to check uh, your healing, uh, whether the Holy Spirit was working or not. And so if you see that all the healings that are taking place are not those that are truly miraculous, as in how I've described, then there is uh, most likely a problem there. To examine your heart as to whether the peace of God is governing in it, that you're in a covenant with him, And again, as I said, it's possible by only being a peacemaker. And so we have been studying uh, the seventh sign by which we need to judge that we belong to the sons of peace. And this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. The truth of the word of God is a demonstration of God's love. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And so after we are able to clothe ourselves into or put on God's love only then the peace of God receives the right to rule within our hearts and the Scriptures say that we are called to this peace in one body upon the condition that we will be thankful and what it implies here in the original be thankful is in friendship and and this means a brotherly love that is more more powerful uh, than that in that it, which is in the world or friendship that's in the world it's talking about such a friendship or brotherly love that God begins to befriend a person and friends often to be friends in the ancient world a friend well, there were not a person didn't have a lot of friends. And so they would make a covenant. They either would show this upon their body somehow, or. And so sometimes it would be uh, an exchange of, of blood uh, at times uh, so to have some kind of mark on the body to, to be a mark or t- a testimony that they had this, uh, that they have made this uh, covenant of friendship. And every time, every time, say, if you became a friend of a monarch or another, there was also a seal or a sign that would be put on you to show this. Uh, people, as for the most part, didn't do this with one another. The covenant was typically made uh, by those who had higher status. And so to be a thankful person that is a, per, uh having this friendship The children of God are God's friends. And when I demonstrate my friendship and we are we demonstrate this friendship with one another, we demonstrate then this peace. When I'm able to consider my neighbor and cover his imperfections in scripture the holy or selective love of God agape is presented in scripture by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or components by the preached word of the Apostles and prophets that in essence are the unchanging virtues of the qualities of God himself and these are virtue from which comes knowledge from which comes self-control and from self-control comes perseverance, from perseverance comes godliness, from godliness, then, or, and the godliness demonstrates itself in brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness demonstrates itself in love, and so they demonstrate one another, they come one from the other. Virtue to knowledge, knowledge self-control, 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. And so we have been studying these unearthly disciplines, and in a specific format, Of the seven given characteristics of virtue that united, identified the goodness of God within our heart or God's favor in our heart or a covenant of peace between us and God, we have already studied six characteristics, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith and stop to study the seventh characteristic. And this is to demonstrate the love of God, agape, that comes from brotherly love. We can conclude that this nature of love is not to be shown to the world, and not for the world, but those whom the Lord has loved in Christ Jesus. As it is written, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Ephesians 5.25-27, so how does he make us holy and without blemish with his word? He proclaims and he states that we are righteous in Jesus Christ. You don't need to earn justification. I give it to you freely in my resurrection. And when we receive freely this work of grace, this justification, then... All uh, spot and blemish is removed and we are then presented before the Father without blemish. We don't receive this because we've achieved it, but because Jesus achieved it and he gave it to us freely because of his grace, not accounting to us our trespasses. But when a person is striving or thinking that doing good works, he will become justified he resists God's redemption or the work that Christ had done and becomes guilty before God drawing not then the favor of God but God's wrath upon Himself many denominations today it's not important however they may call each other Charismatics, uh, Pentecostals, Baptists Adventists, whomever uh, Catholics those of the Orthodox faith whomever they may be Quakers whomever they may be if. They are trying to justify themselves by the deeds they do, practicing spiritual gifts, uh, allowing themselves to become an offering. None of this will work. You need to receive justification freely by grace, and only then does it cleanse us. We will keep in mind that all seven of the given characteristics that that identify the heart of our Heavenly Father its his character the state of his heart first contain the quality of the of the remaining characteristics these qualities of the remaining characteristics because they flow one from the other and as they flow from one the other they complete one the other they strengthen one the other and, and exist in one the other second the given characteristics is the moral perfection that is inherent exclusively to the essence of god third the given characteristics are the great and precious promises that are given to us in Jesus Christ imagine these uh, precious promises these characteristics are the precious promises that make our heart as the heart of our Heavenly Father be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect and so this perfect heart of our Heavenly Father that is in goodness and in knowledge in virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, this heart loves the righteous and hates the lawless and sends his fire upon the wicked and drowns them with his waters and his rains and the righteous he warms with his sunlight. The given characteristics are the imperishable treasure and wealth with which we are called to become rich this is where our wealth lies you can only partake in the inheritance of the given characteristics by receiving the power of the holy spirit not the baptism of the holy spirit but the holy spirit himself the individual baptism of the holy spirit gives us the the ability to speak in tongues our spirit receives the ability to speak in tongues and we using our mouth we speak in tongues and at this time, our Holy our, our spirit speaks, not our, not the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks typically through his messengers. He speaks uh, in a language we understand and is accessible to us. The Speaking in tongues uh, is our spirit communicating with God directly. This is for our spirit. Our mind doesn't understand what is being said. This is a mystery between God and man. Seventh, or sixth, the means that we are called to use to receive the power of the Holy Spirit is the prayer of faith that is built upon truth that is concealed within our heart. If we have truth in our heart, then the Holy Spirit will come there. He will not come alone. We need to invite Him. And when we invite Him, then He comes. But you will say, how does He come? Before He comes, He knocks. And our goal is to hear this knock and to open the door. If we have truth in our heart, this means that our ear is open. We will hear that knock. If the truth is not in the heart, then we will not hear this knock. And how do you determine that I have truth in my heart or not? If I have the fullness, the the virgin, the complete, teaching of Jesus Christ that consists of promises, commandments, statutes. If I don't comprehend the truth, the word, if I don't understand it, I resist it, and I think that I have truth in the heart, I don't have it because we accept only through through our mind that we understood with our mind and what we didn't understand, we did not accept. This means that there's no truth in our heart. Because what we have a, uh, understood with our mind and accepted is not truth. It is uh, a perversion or a, a twisted form of it because we don't receive it as a wholesome truth. When we accept the words of the person whom God has placed and we stop uh, trying to add our mind and instead activate our heart and accept the word that we. D- even we don't understand, but we accept it gladly with joy, then the Lord will begin to reveal this truth uh, in our heart. This will mean that we have truth in our heart, which will then give the Holy Spirit the ability to come, to knock. He will not knock in the heart of a person who, who has a damaged form of truth and that he is only receiving with his mind, only... The one that is received in the renewed mind that's into the heart will allow the Holy Spirit to knock because he knocks to the bride. He can't knock to a young girl who has not yet been matured, who who can't yet be a bride. We have a sister who does not have breasts. What shall we do when they come and ask for her? This is a, a parable. The time has come. The groom came ask for her hand, but she's not ready to become a wife. And so what do we do? And then they hear a voice, I am a wall and my breasts like towers, and I will be as one who has found peace. Why is one who has found fullness and peace? Because I have breasts like towers. These two breasts is the urim and the thummim, The truth in the heart and the Holy Spirit that reveals this truth in our heart these this is what its fullness this is perfect peace and so then he knocks to her and she opens because she hears it who shall hear and open the door I will enter and dine with him and he with me and so by inheriting these great and precious promises which Represent the state of our heart that will be in the likeness of the state of the heart of our heavenly father We become partakers of God's nature as much as God has allowed and looking at the measure of our faith We already looked at the character at the at the qualities of six of the characteristics and stopped on the seventh And this is how to demonstrate uh, the love of God agape in our faith Which comes from brotherly love which is the royal crown of the goodness or virtue of God from which we conclude that love The love of God is a love that is virtuous, knowledgeable, self-controlled, can persevere, is godly, and has brotherly love. Because of this, we have been looking at the love of God specifically within the context or in the format of its supernatural qualities called to bring us into the fullness of growth in Christ or make us perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect studying the virtue of the love of God in the given characteristics, we came to the conclusion that these are the eternally existing characteristics of God himself, as well as all what comes from God, because God is love, and such love, coming from the inherent to God virtue, is identified in Scripture as the bond of all perfection, as we read previously, but above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, Colossians 3.14. Considering that, the fact that we in our time already studied the consistency of the essence of the love of God agape which comes from brotherly love which we are called to demonstrate in our faith we in the beginning studied what God's love is and then began studying these qualities that these characteristics that are in this love we decided to review the question by what signs are we able to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of god agape in our faith coming from brotherly love we have been studying the first sign by which we can examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of god agape in our faith coming from brotherly love and this is to be done by our ability to love all and everyone whom god loves and hate all and everyone whom god hates Because only loving what God loves and hating what God hates are we able to judge that we are demonstrating the love of God agape in our faith coming from brotherly love. As it it relates to this or relevant to this, we already studied the familiar to us seven components consisting in the category of those whom God loves and stopped to study the seven components of the category of those whom God hates. I will remind us of the first two that we've already studied and we will continue on to the third. First sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love will be by the fact that we will love and be merciful to the repenting sinner just as God does. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage, He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy he does not retain his anger forever against those who are his remnant the remnant are those who obeyed their faith to god's faith who have accepted justification freely the second sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of god in our faith coming from brotherly love will be that we will love and be merciful to the fatherless widow and stranger God administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger giving him food and clothing we know that who the fatherless is widow and stranger these three functions the fatherless is one who died for the house of their father the widow is the one who died for governing sin who was previously our husband and the strangers when we die for our nation and we became strangers third sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love is that we will love righteousness and justice and its in its carriers since righteousness and justice in the form of the informational program of God is able to be to demonstrate itself exclusively within the carriers of the love of God coming from brotherly love. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Fourth sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love will be by the fact that we will love the holy nation that we are partakers of or members of who are in God's hands, and you sit at His feet so that you can receive His words. Yes, He loves the people. All His saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words. Deuteronomy 33.3. 3. These are people that do not stumble on the words that are spoken by God's delegated person. He loves the people. All the saints are in your hand they sit down at your feet everyone receives your words fifth sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love will be by the fact that we will open the eyes of the blind we will raise the one who is bowed down and will love the righteous who walk in the path of righteousness the Lord opens the eyes of the blind the Lord raises those who are bowed down the Lord loves the righteous Psalm 146 8 God opens the eyes of the blind, of the righteous person, and He raises the bowed-down back. While we're under the law, we have this bowed-down back. He condemns us, but as soon as we receive justification freely, we begin to see, and the Lord restores us. Psalm 146, 8. Sixth sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith, Coming from brotherly love is determined by the fact that we will love the gates of Zion. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Psalm 87 1 2. We know that the gates of Zion is that church that possesses the status of the narrow gate, the good wife. She is the gates of Zion. Not all churches of so-called saints can be a door but only the one that is the good wife that possesses the status of the narrow gate seventh sign by which we need to examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith coming from brotherly love is that we will love the cheerful giver So let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity for god loves the cheerful giver second corinthians 9 7. so when we love people who give to the lord cheerfully their tithes and offerings we in this way demonstrate in our faith the love of god that comes from brotherly love because your measure of love for god in your heart is called to be identified by your measure of hatred for carriers of wickedness and lawlessness We started studying seven components of those whom God hates, by which we can determine that we are demonstrating the love of God agape in our faith. We already studied two in the previous service. First sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God in our faith, coming from brotherly love, is to be determined by us hating people that hate the Lord. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. 2 Chronicles 19.2 And so when we say we need to love everyone, the Lord says, The wrath of the Lord is upon you for this reason. Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Second sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God within our heart coming from brotherly love is to be done by us like God is to be done by us like God, hating all that is not holy and separating it from what is holy. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God, you shall therefore be holy, for I am holy, Leviticus eleven forty-five. The third sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God within our faith, within our heart, coming from brotherly love, is to be determined by us, like God, hating the nations that refuse to learn to swear by the name of God as the Lord lives. This is an oath. The Lord lives as the Lord lives before whom I stand. and. It shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives. Carefully the ways of my people, it says. And it's contained in the oath that he is making to swear by by his name as the Lord lives. As they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, they not learn. To swear by my name as the Lord lives, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. Looking at the given ultimatum to swear by the name of the Lord upon the ways of the chosen by God remnant is demonstrated in the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. Depending on how much we learn the discipline, of the oath which makes itself known upon the ways of the Lord will determine whether we will be established in the midst of the nation of God or we will be utterly plucked up and destroyed from the nation of God in the modern Christian theology perhaps one of the most contradictory disciplines is specifically the discipline of oaths that seems to have a somewhat taboo of untouchability although actually these very same people that have put this taboo are the ones that stumble upon this discipline of oaths they, they stumble upon them the most and as it is stand in resistance against the discipline of oaths due to, the, due to the carnal stiff neck that they have identifying their uncircumcised ears and their uncircumcised hearts and more than anyone else do the continual work of condemning and cursing everything and all who do not fit the implemented by them canon of worship and such criticism is a curse for some reason they allowed themselves to curse everything and everyone but the saints who use the oaths of the Lord according to their purpose they curse They they say well you're cursing people and so what are you doing when you're condemning me for for uh, using the truth, or or utilizing the truth as as it is supposed to be, but logic for them is unfitting. These people have become so foolish, some of them, that even logic is is not in them anymore and are afraid of these oaths. The grounds for such an acceptance of the discipline of oaths for these people is one of the statements of Christ that physically is ripped out from the general context and Spirit of Scripture and is given a free-willed and twisted meaning. Again you have heard that it it was said to those of old you shall not swear falsely but shall perform your oath to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, for whatever is more than this is from the evil one. Matthew 5:33 through 37. In the given words of Christ, we see the benefits and differences of the oath identifying the law of grace and the oaths that identify the law of Moses. If you pay attention, the given words of Jesus do not forbid swearing by the name of the Lord as the Lord lives, but on the contrary makes a way for it, eliminating and swallowing up all other forms of oaths that men at that time swore by, by earth, Jerusalem, their head, or something else. And in this world, They often say, I I swear by my mother, I I vow by my mother, or uh, this is very popular in some places of the world, and this is considered uh, sacred, this is considered uh, true when they say this. Christian people, they say, I put my hand on the Bible. A person lies and says, I put my hand on the Bible. That I never said this. But everyone's surprised he just had said the false thing. People uh, swear in these kinds of ways and they don't understand <clears throat> what they're doing. In Hebrew, the word oath is the guard of holiness, a curse, anathema, curse, hex, hatred holiness judgment condemnation a vert- verdict of a trial the immutability of god's will the law commandment statu- uh, statute order the law commandment statute order circumcision in the form of the seal of righteousness a solemn pledge covenant that is made with god when bringing an offering a vow assurance and certification these are the uh, definitions of oath Practically in his oath, God shows not just the glory of his burning holiness and the magnificence of his law, but also unchanging faithfulness to his law. Any promises and works of God when making a covenant with his children as well as his legitimate relationship with his children are always confirmed and certified with an oath. The oath of God by itself is certified. It certifies us as heirs of His promise. In in His immutable will, that God is vigilant of standing guard of those promises in the temple of our body, so that we, in two immutable things of His oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we can have strong consolation. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us this hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us jesus christ having become high priest forever according to the order of melchizedek hebrews 6:16 6, through 20. In the given situation, the oath of God, consisting in two things, identifies the covenant of God with man and was magnified by him in status of our hope, called to lead us into the presence of God, where the forerunner, Jesus Christ, entered. This is the blood of Jesus Christ that is brought into the temple and the twelve unleavened breads, symbolizing the the result of the death of Christ and his resurrection. The covenant of God with man, without a mutual promise of faithfulness to one another, in the format of a mutual oath, is not legitimate. Understandably, such an oath obtains its legal status and its legal power only within the boundaries of the covenant, which places demands and responsibility upon both parties of the covenant. The discipline of an oath does not just identify the character of the covenant, the covenant of salt, peace and blood, but stands guard of this unchanging covenant, these three functions of the covenant, but also the discipline of this oath, but also the moral of the state of each of the sides making this covenant. And so in Hebrew, the word oath that stands, guards, uh, stands guard of the unchanging covenant God makes with man and man with God simultaneously identifies the character of the covenant and the moral state of the two sides that are making this covenant with one another. And so the moral state of the two sides that are making an oath, covenant, or promise with one another is identified by these, by these uh, qualities. This is impeccable or perfect, fragile, above reproach, guiltless, not having blemish or insufficiency, without flaw, without spot, pure, filled with righteousness and holiness, perfect, gentle or meek, a lover of peace, invulnerable to attacks one who is not vulnerable to attacks. And so all of these, if we have all of these, we will not be vulnerable to attacks when we're condemned, when we're blamed, uh, when we're accused of lying. And they will accuse in the way they understand. We may not say what they're saying, but they will see and consider that we are and will condemn us or accuse us. Let us pay attention to the fact that the law of Moses it was not for the righteous, it was for the lawless and the disobedient, the wicked, the sinner, the perverse, the defiled, and it wasn't to justify and save them, but to condemn them. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless, and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, 1 Timothy 1, 9-11. And so, comparing the character of the two sides, God and man, that make a mutual covenant with one another, it becomes clear that in the period of the Law of Moses, a person was not able to satisfy the given oath in this mutual covenant. And so, the discipline of the covenant in the period of the Old Testament, where a person made with God, condemned him to death. At the same time, in Jesus Christ, the discipline of the oath in the period of the New Testament is called to protect a person and justify him. Specifically, the discipline of the oath is called the discipline, uh, to protect, uh, to to protect a person and to justify. And so, if in the period of the Old Testament a person was given instruction uh, to circumcise himself or the foreskin of his heart in the New Testament it was justifying him a Psalm of David a contemplation blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered and so we're looking at these things and reading it in the Old Testament blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not input iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not forbidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this, for this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. As why does this righteous end up sinning or fall into sin, but continues to remain righteous. This righteous man will pray in time when uh, he may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with the song of deliverance. I will, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. And so as we can see here, this is Psalm 32, 1 through 8. He speaks in his prayer the things that God is saying to him. First, the discipline of an oath is the old In the Old as well as the New Testament is a spectacular example and work of art identifying holy truth which reveals the nature of the love of God for his nation, in the bond of all of his perfection which makes itself known in the natural qualities of the chosen by him remnant. Second, the discipline of an oath in the Old as well as the New Testament in the nature of the magnificent glory of God identifying the burning holiness of his law in the love of God is It makes itself known in the New Tablets of the Covenant in the elementary teaching of Christ. The consistency of the uh, discipline of oaths is beyond beyond the measures of the typical human mind or understanding of it. And so only those who have cleansed their conscience from dead works and have imprinted upon the tablets of their cleansed heart the truth they've imprinted upon their heart are able to comprehend it. Therefore, I will bring a couple of components that identify the purpose, the discipline of oaths, that identify God's love with which we are to collaborate so we can destroy the stronghold of death in our body and erect the stronghold of life, of eternal life, which will be then the guarantee uh, that we will meet the Lord in the air when we're talking about the discipline of the oath that we are to swear with. And so when I began to fight my thoughts in the past, I would uh, would sometimes wallow away in my minds and then have to come back and realize that that's what's happening. And I would have to begin and then I'd proclaim, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my might. I do not uh, accept any of these thoughts that are in my head and that somehow I I, identified with me I am righteous, and I do not accept any of it. And so, you turn the the power of your mind, uh, and I would do uh, two places of Scripture and meditate about them, what they may mean. And by meditating about them, the Holy Spirit would give revelations only when I would meditate. Sometimes I would need to meditate for hours, sometimes days, sometimes months i continuously meditate about meditated about them the lord reveals his truth only when you meditate about it or you're chewing it or regurgitating it and chewing it where you do what you do at in your cell groups the discipline of oath In the love of God, identifying the holy truth of the covenant between God and us was present upon the shoulders of the high priest in two precious onyx stones that are placed into golden settings into which we need to build ourselves so that we be in accordance to the requirements of a warrior in prayer to worship God in spirit and in truth then you shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel six of their names on one stone and six names on the other stone in order of their birth with the works of an engraver in stone like the engraving of a signet you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel you shall set them in settings of gold and you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod the shoulders of the ephod as a memorial or memorial stones for the sons of Israel, so Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial, Exodus 28, 9-12. This was for a memorial for the sons of Israel, so they continuously see the Lord before them. First, looking at the given command, the discipline of the oath and the love of God, identifying the the rule of of holy truth in two precious onyx stones upon the shoulder of the high priest, was the sign of the covenant between God and his nation and served as a continual memorial before God in the made with him covenant that God is vigilant of in the temple of their body and in the time established by him, he would be able to fulfill this covenant. Second, the discipline of the oath and the love of God and two precious onyx stones upon the shoulders of the high priest reminded the sons of Israel to always remember the covenant that is made with God and that the covenant of God be continuously a remembrance within their heart. Third, the discipline of of the oath and the love of God and the two precious onyx stones identifying the holy truth of the covenant that was given by God on Horeb was the ratification of the given covenant where blessings and curses obtained legitimate power which were proclaimed from two opposite to to one another mountaintops Ebal and Gerizim, the proclamation of the 12 tribes of Israel stating the name of God, Amen. They proclaimed the name of God, Amen. And so when they would proclaim a blessing or proclaim a curse, they would finish it with stating the name Amen and these two onyx stones on the shoulders this also was blessing and cursing and so if it's just blessings we will not be able to keep them curses need to be there too these are these oaths so that blessing can work there needs to be an oath therefore it shall be when you have crossed over the Jordan that on mount Ebal you shall set up these stones (coughs) which i command you today and you shall whitewash them with lime and there you shall build an altar to the lord your god an altar of stones (coughs) the altar was built of stones upon mount Ebal, upon which curses were being proclaimed you shall not use an iron tool on them the stones needed to be as they were they were not to be in any way Uh, reformed or changed. You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings and shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write very plainly on the stones of all the words on the stones all the words of this law. They needed to write the Ten Commandments upon these stones. Then Moses and the priests The Levites spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. In what day? The one that was certified with a covenant. Where blessings and curses were, were were Certified therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes Which I command you today and Moses commanded the people in the names on the same day saying These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan Simeon Levi Judah Issachar Joseph and Benjamin and they shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse Reuben Gad Asher Zebulun Dan and Naphtali Deuteronomy 27 4 through 13 and so the building of the altar to the Lord from wholesome uh, stones that were not changed or adjusted and the offering that was brought upon this altar when they were proclaiming this and certifying, ratifying these, these words, these blessings and curses in the covenant of the Lord, they were confirming for the sons of Israel, for the nation of the Lord, all of these things. Inasmuch as much then as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage for indeed he, he does not give aid to angels but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham Hebrews 2.14.15 considering that the symbol of the altar of the Lord which is which we are called to build ourselves are our motives or our goals, the goals of our heart that are in accordance to the requirements Of the perfect will of God, the discipline of an oath, and the love of God, identifying the covenant between God and us, is shown in the zeal of the love of God, consisting in curses coming upon the face of of the whole world in the form of a flying scroll, the length of which is twenty cubits and its width ten cubits, which is called to eradicate within the midst of the nation of God those who steal and those who swear falsely by the name of the Lord. And so you need to not swear falsely, but to swear according to the state of the heart you don't say I swear by the Bible but a person's lying then I turned and raised my eyes and I saw there a flying scroll and he said to me what do you see so I answered I see a flying scroll its length is 20 cubits and its width 10 cubits then he said to me this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth the face of the whole earth doesn't mean every person on the earth the whole earth means the earth of of Israel the land of Israel his church every thief shall be expelled the scriptures are written for the nation of God not for the world every thief shall be expelled according to the side of the scroll and every perjurer shall be expelled according to that side of it I will send out the curse says the Lord of hosts it shall enter the house Of the thief, and so the house of the thief. That is, he shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with its timber and stones. Zechariah five one through four. He shall destroy all of the promises within this person if he is a thief and if he swears falsely because we're called to swear the Lord lives before whom I stand I will not be shaken and so the measurements of of ten cubits is that he belongs to the category of people that are under the guard of the law which directly has to do with every person who resists the truth the reason why men until they were twenty years old up to twenty were not subject to the curse that God had given which was this uh, flying scroll was they were not familiar with the desire will of those who were twenty years and older because twenty years and older they knew they were familiar with, with with Uh, They had eaten or tasted sin, as it were. Uh, And these were born in the wilderness 20 years and younger. They didn't know the taste of the food the older people were talking about. When they were talking about garlic, when they were talking about melons or meat or other things, they didn't know what that was. They have never tried anything except for manna. They have never smelled anything except for manna. And so this sin was not accounted to them. But only those who were 20 years and older fell in the wilderness, but those who were 20 years and younger, this curse did not work on them. This flying uh, scroll, 10 cubits uh, in width, the category of people that were 20 years and younger, that were born in the wilderness, again, they did not know the taste or smell of all these foods. And so, And the lord spoke to moses and aaron saying how long shall i bear with this evil congregation who complain against me i have heard the complaints which the children of israel make against me says say to them as i live says the lord just as you have spoken in my hearing so i will do to you the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness all of you who were numbered according to your entire number from twenty years old and above except for caleb the son of jephunneh and joshua the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which i swore i would make you dwell in but your little ones whom you said would be victims i will bring in and they shall know the land which you have despised but as it for you your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness and you shall know my rejection numbers 14 26 through 32 and so The symbol of the people who were born in the wilderness are the symbol of the people who have performed a total work of sanctification for the purpose of total dedication to the lord and so the symbol of such total dedication is that the given category of saints have died in the death of the lord jesus christ for their nation the house of their father and for the destructive desires of their soul and in this way have obtained the status of these people who were Uh, under 20 years old, and so as they died for the old man, the taste of these melons and other other things no longer affects them, they have died for this. And so the Lord does not account uh, their sin to death. Due to this fact, their soul became dead for governing sin that is within their body and living for holy truth. And so the taste then of Egyptian food became nothing to them. The discipline of an oath in the love of God, identifying holy truth in the covenant between God and us, stands guard of the interests of the fatherless, the widow and the stranger, and gives them God's protection and judgment. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. Circumcision is an is, is a oath. You're pretty much... A covenant was made when you make an oath with two sides are making an oath a a contract and it's not talking about the foreskin, foreskin of your of your body but the foreskin of your heart and be stiff neck no longer for the lord your god is god of gods and lord of lords great god mighty and awesome who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe he administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger giving him food and clothing therefore love the stranger for you were strangers in the land of egypt you shall fear the lord your god you shall serve him and to him you shall hold fast and take oath in his name he calls for us to uh, take oath in his names so we need to learn the ways of the lord deuteronomy 10 16 through 20, through 22 We need to fear the Lord our God and serve Him only and hold fast in His name. He is your praise and He is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your father went down to Egypt with 70 persons and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. First, specifically the oath that consisted in the sign of circumcision of the foreskin of the heart, allowed Israel to belong to the fatherless, the widow, and the stranger, as God saw them. Second, the oath consisting of the sign of the circumcision of the foreskin of the heart, allowed Israel to fear God, to serve him only, and to cling to him, or hold fast to him, and take oath in his name. The discipline of an oath in the love of God, identifying holy truth in the covenant between God and us, consisting in the forbidden word, beware, that the exodus from Egyptian slavery not be forgotten, and gave the ability to fear God and to serve Him only, and to take oath in His name. Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him, and you shall take oath in His name. Deuteronomy 6, 12, 13. Looking at the given warning to receive the right to the power to swear by the name of the Lord as the Lord lives, we first need to learn to fear and then worship God in His fear. Otherwise, if we don't fear the Lord and we begin to uh. Make uh, these oaths, then this flying scroll will destroy our trees and our stones. If we build of ourselves a spiritual house upon the foundation which is Christ, but if we begin to f- swear falsely, then this flying scroll, this law, will destroy the building, the 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 wood and the stones. To receive the right to the power to swear by the name of the Lord, or the Lord lives, we first need to learn to fear the Lord, and then worship God in His fear, and only after fulfilling these two conditions, to learn to swear by the name of the Lord. The discipline of an oath in the love of God, identifying Holy Truth in the covenant between God and us, is called to become an active weapon in the mouth of warriors in prayer that has no comparison in the world to protect us from our enemies and from the violent man. The Lord lives. He begins this with a vow. The Lord lives. Learn to begin your prayers with these kinds of oaths. Stated. Blessed be my rock. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. The Lord likes this because you, at this time, trust in His covenant. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Psalm 18:46 through 48 And that's because he was able to swear by the name of the Lord and walk in His ways. So that he can bring forth all his prayers and bring and bring them in the form of oaths the Lord lives who has delivered me the Lord lives who has redeemed me I will stand I will trust I will hope even though the world is shaking the foundations of continue to shake and move I will continue to stand The symbol of a violent man is our old man, which is supported by organized powers of darkness. The Lord will avenge us and will lift us up above those who rise against us, using the truth that is concealed within our heart in the power of the discipline of the oath. When we begin to learn and understand, we need to state who God is to us, who the Lord is to us. The Lord lives. This is a very powerful oath. The Lord lives lives in the promises that He has promised us. He lives the one who has saved me and my household, my children, my de- my descendants. If you don't believe in the salvation of your children, you're losing your own salvation. It's easy to believe in the salvation of your children when they're with you. Try to believe in the salvation of your children when they're not with you, but you imagine that they are seated at your side. Just as you count yourself dead to sin, living for God, count that your children are already with you. If God has saved you, He saved them also. When you lose this string, when you begin to think of your children, that they're not saved as they are in resistance, uh, but you are not in resistance, you can stand in the breach between you and between he, your child and god and say the lord lives before whom i stand my daughters with me my son is with me thank you lord that you have saved me with my house and not just children but in when it comes to all of the, any it promises when the devil says and those around you say where's your God why are you so sick all the time and so then you say the Lord lives before whom I stand I don't have ev- anything but I possess everything and I'm wealthier than you how much do you have millions well I have more I have more All of us possess all of it. The Lord lives before whom I stand. The discipline of an oath and the love of God identifying holy truth in the covenant between God and us was called to expand the blessing of Abraham and Jesus Christ upon the Gentiles so that they can receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. As many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. God will save me because I did many good works. God has saved me because I uh, speak good news and I have created or formed many churches. I've given so much. I've committed so much to the Lord. All kinds of good work that a person may do. Everyone who is confident in this and who trusts in this is under the curse for it is written cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to to them to do them for the righteous will live by faith yet the law is not of faith but the man who does them shall live by them christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, Galatians 3.10-14. And here we need to state, The Lord lives who has given to me the blessing of Abraham through Jesus Christ. The right to redemption from the oath of the law contained in the broken tablets of the covenant are able to be received exclusively within the oath of the new tablets of the covenant and to have this happen it is necessary by being crucified with the lord jesus to die through the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected for i through the law died to the law that i might live to god I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Galatians 2:19 21 And so when he says, I live, I live in this oath don't swear by the earth or your head, it doesn't say, don't swear by the name of the Lord. People in the Old Testament did not swear by God, but swore uh, by other things, and they were afraid to swear by the name of the Lord. Only the righteous did. David did. Elijah did. He came to Ahab and said, the Lord lives before whom I stand. There will not be rain for this many years. I want I greatly desire that we learn to make these oaths these are a work of art that you use them in your prayer in in your statements when you make them in prayer the Lord lives who has given me salvation that's why I shall not step back I will not be moved with my own eyes I will see the promises that will happen here on earth for me my eyes will see my body will be in renewed before my very eyes let us bend our knees and our heads and pray anyone who wants to resist the curse of the law the curse of sin as Christ was cursed for us you can come out here and we will where by the name of the Lord that He will fulfill His desires and His will for us. We wait for you here at the altar. Amen. I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is on your side. He has vowed, He has promised by His own name He will not change His oaths. He shall not change these two things, His shed blood, the shed blood of His Son for our sins, His broken body. I know that you've received that truth. Your eyes are closed this is your secret room lift your hands to heaven this is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt you don't have offenses in your heart you're not angry you have forgiven those who have offended you and you promised God that you will ask forgiveness of those you may have offended pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you I open up my heart you see the wounds that have been inflicted by sins, by my lusts, by my passions. I have sinned before you. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me by the blood of your Son. I believe in your words. I believe that I will swear by your holy name that the blood that was shed by you It wasn't in vain. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy, and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessings of the ancient mountains, which represent the bond of all of God's promises, and the everlasting hills, which represent God's covenant that is made with you. May all this be upon you and upon your children, and the nation shall say, Amen. May the Lord confirm this in our heart. These words, may they become a powerful weapon that has no comparison to in the world. In your prayer, use this phrase, the Lord lives before, before whom I stand. I shall not be moved in my faith. I will confess the truth that I have put into my heart and the Lord of peace will be with you and you will bring you out into freedom in the time that's right and will put your enemies under your feet let's proclaim our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.